Got Your Ears On is brought to you by Tactical Legion Knives. Live from the campus of Top Radio, under the direction of Guido, Scoot, and Johnson, it's the pride of podcasting. It's Got Your Ears On. All right, everybody. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Got Your Ears On. Guido, along with Scoop. Yo. And Johnson. Take that, Hoyas. Take that, Hoyas. And we're back. Mr. Brent Solheim, join us again. Thanks, Brent. Welcome hey, aboard. Thank you for having me again. Thank you. It's good to be back. This will be fun. This will be fun. A good week of WVU basketball, if you will. We played Gonzaga and lost 87 to 82 in the Jimmy V Classic. And we should say, before we go on, don't forget, go to V.org, the V Foundation, and donate. I was pretty awesome. You know, every year when they do the Jimmy V Classic, I forget how awesome, like, the old SB speech was. And it was awesome to see Holly Rowe there and the whole thing they did. Yeah, and they do a lot of, they do an excellent job of bringing in some really meaningful stories. So, I mean, it kind of always gets me every time I see that stuff come through. They even tied in Coach Huggins' connection with his mom. So Yeah, that would, yeah, you're right. That was really good with his mom. Yeah, so definitely check it out. Go to v.org to donate. Brent, I'm going to start off this week, Brent, by asking you a a simple question as a former player that I hope you can answer. Um, We, we played since the last time we talked to you, we played in the, the crossover classic and won, but we played Western Kentucky and and won in that championship game. We played the number one team in the nation, Gonzaga and almost won. played a great game should have won. And then, um, now that we're talking, we've also played Georgetown, the Hoyas, and we beat them barely. And I think my question is, why is it that I feel like WVU, at least this team, always plays to the level of their opponents? Like, how do we play so good against a, a, against a, a team that's ranked first in the nation, and then we play a team like Western Kentucky and a team like Georgetown and we just eke by. Well, Brent Guido, so you have to know that Guido has a like a running thought here so oh, far that he feels like we're playing to the competition just generally. So that now tonight against the Hoyas, it kind of felt that way a little bit for long periods of the game. I, I agree with you guys. Like tonight, I wasn't sure this afternoon. I wasn't sure how we were going to start the game. You know, I part of me thought, hey, we just competed with the number one team in the country, but we got our first L. We're going to come out like gangbusters. But then part of me thought, hey, um, you know, we we're in foul trouble uh, early on. And, you know, we, we obviously followed a couple of people out during the Gonzaga game. So maybe some of the big guys were going to be a little bit hesitant, too. So I wasn't sure how we were going to come out. And of course, we came out flat, you know, not just the big guys, but the whole team. But I think there's something to be said about a young team playing to the competition. Um, we're not so young anymore, though. We're not as young as we were the last couple of years. So I, I would hope that some of the leaders on the team will, you know, step up and, and get everyone playing hard from the beginning. And, and do you feel like, I mean, that 98 team that you guys were on, like, was there ever a point where they, there were teams that you guys blew out that year? And were there teams that you ever felt like that you guys, like, should have blown out that you didn't blow out or should have played better that you didn't play better? Uh, there, I mean, sometimes you'll you'll have a, a couple game streak where you're not playing well, or you know, and, and you can have the exact opposite where you're playing incredibly well and crushing everyone. Um, we beat the six-rated team UConn in the country by 17 points at home. I mean, we just crushed them. 
But to end the season, we lost, I want to say, three straight games, and one was to Miami and, and a couple others, maybe Seton Hall, and games we clearly should have won. So sometimes you get in a little bit of funk, and uh, it carries over from one game to the next. But here I was thinking we played great against um, – Gonzaga, we we had a chance to win at, at the end of the game, and uh, I thought that would carry over into this game, and you'd see us just coming out and just you know put them away early, and that clearly did not happen. How much do you think matchups play? I th- I'm a firm believer that sometimes you look at a team on paper and you look like oh we should crush them or oh they're gonna really crush us or will give us a tough time, but I think a lot of times matchups, you know individual player matchups, I think that's a big deal too. I think. Or con- contrasting styles of play sometimes. I think you're right. One thing that I noticed in this Georgetown game was we seem to get a lot of shots blocked inside. And I don't think that that's something that uh, Culver and Oscar and those guys are used to seeing. I mean, one of their big guys, I I want to say maybe it was, was it Pickett or? I, I, I can't. Ego F.A. or? I, I can't remember who it was, but they had multiple blocks inside one one possession culver got a shot blocked twice in a row yeah i've never right. seen in three years i've never seen that happen to yeah. him so I, I just wonder if they in this scenario weren't used to playing someone like that that could you know predict or you know time his jump just perfect to you know get up there and block him but yeah, yeah. We, we struggled inside with that for a while which is weird to me because brent in recent memory, is this not the scrawniest looking Georgetown team you've ever seen? Yes. I, I mean, usually they they're, they're just bruisers. Yeah. yeah usually yeah. they're big, strong, physical yeah. team. And I did not see that tonight. I think I outweigh all of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I don't know about all of them. <laughs> yeah, maybe not all of them. Well, let's jump back real quick and talk about the Gonzaga game earlier in the week. And tough loss for WVU. Gabe Osaboyan continues to have massive nights like he is just you know he had a great crossover classic he ended up having a great game against the number one team in the nation yeah he was solid and it's and it was you know i feel like he for me i felt like he was the mp mvp of the game you know not only not only defensively in the stuff that he normally does for us but he hit a three-pointer like like (laughs) well and i thought he showed some confidence though scoring the ball like when they gave him room he took good shots he like had some solid drives to the hole i thought that was awesome to see you know if he can complement what he does on defense with some of that that's pretty exciting and you consider you continue to see Derek culver on the inside just owning it again another amazing you know double double game 18 points 15 rebounds against the number one team in the nation uh, what were your thoughts, Brent, on the game against Gonzaga, other than officiating? So yeah, so officiating, yeah, okay, other than officiating, other than officiating. so um, a, a couple things. So everyone said, oh, this West Virginia team is so deep this year, and and my takeaway from that is we actually had seven guys when that game was over. We had seven guys. We had the starters, and then we had Taz off the bench and Gabe off the bench. Other than that, we really fell off in that Gonzaga game. Now, Isaiah came in and did some good things late in the game when, uh, you know, some of the other big guys were in foul trouble. But, uh, one thing that I, one of my takeaways was, you know, Gabe, Gabe played so well. He, um, he comes into the game. He doesn't try to shoot shots and, you know, assert himself aggressively on offense. He plays phenomenal defense. He's a scrapper, and he takes what the other team gives him. And if the other players that are coming off the bench can do the same thing, 
Um, I think that will help us out tremendously. We got guys coming in. You know, Bridges Bridges played a lot better today against Georgetown. But, uh, you know, I, I feel like sometimes he gets in and tries to assert himself and, hey, I got to do something quick to show the coach that I, uh, I'm i good, you know. If he would just come in like Gabe, play great defense, get some rebounds, take a charge, and let the game come to him, he would be a lot more effective. And and we actually saw that today. He only played, you know, right around three minutes, but he passed the ball um, and worked the ball around. And then when they kicked it back out to him, he was wide open, made a three right in stride, didn't try to force it, and, and it went in. So, um, but yeah, we're not as deep as I think people were thought we would be. Now, uh, Isaiah, um, you know, he came in and did some good things late against Gonzaga today. I didn't feel he looked as good. I felt he was doing what Bridges did before and trying to force, you know, some shots to get some points and all that. Yeah, but he's shooting a lot of outside shots. I don't know what he was thinking. Yeah, and I think it played his way to the – don't you feel like it kind of played his way to the bench, you know? I, it felt uncharacteristic of probably where they wanted him to be on offense. So. He's a 6'10 guy. He's the – I want to say he's the biggest guy on the team, and – he should be able to control inside more like Oscar and Culver do. And he's, you know, I don't know if he's shying away from the contact or what, but he uh, definitely is not battling inside and settling for jump shots. We saw some comments from Hugs that I thought were attention grabbing where he said, you know, we we need to play Cottrell because he's, he's uh, our most skilled big. And I just thought, wow, that's high right. praise on this team. So those, those are those are definitely big words, especially when you have, Shuibe and Culver, and you're yeah. saying that Isaiah is your most skilled big. I mean, yeah, that's I mean, a, that caught my attention. Like, all right, and, and 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 so my question with that when I saw that was, is that coach speak? Like, is that right? Is yeah. that hugs saying something just to get under the crawl of DC and Oscar? Because I mean, <laughs> let's, trying to light a fire. Yeah, right. Let's be honest, though. I mean, and D, you know, Culver's been playing great. Oscar's been a little cold. I mean, it hasn't. It's not like it's been bad. It's been solid, but it's not that, you know, oh, is this Oscars last year NBA caliber kind of play that we thought we were going to see. Next step. Yeah. And so, and I, I, and I'm wondering, is Isaiah taking some of that? Is, is Culver's good play taking some of that away from him? I mean, it's, you know, that's tough. It's a tough place for Oscar to be in right now. Oh, there's only so many rebounds to get. And if Culver's getting 15, 16 a game, you know, that, and, and Oscar's coming in and getting a lot as well. That doesn't give a whole lot of opportunities for guys like Emmett uh, Matthews or Isaiah to go in and, and get their double double as well. So it, it's it's going to be tough inside for um, anyone else other than Oscar and Culver to you know be super effective because those guys are just a notch above everyone else. And, and maybe that is Hugs trying to uh, you know get those guys fired up a little bit more, or maybe even try to give uh, Isaiah some more confidence. It definitely seems to me that that Derek is the alpha male between the two of them. I think Oscar will kind of let Derek be the alpha. And then I feel like when Derek's out, Oscar still really hasn't asserted himself as the alpha. I think, I don't know, that's my perception of it. And, and I'm back to Isaiah Cottrell. I feel like maybe his high school experience is what, has given him some growing pains if you will because he came to us from Huntington Prep and against the high school teams he was playing he could dominate at any given time and I don't know if he's I think for us he just needs to kind of supply like hey you're going to sub in as a, a big when we need a big and I think in his mind I think he still needs to try to do it all 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I want to see him come in and, and be more of a Gabe. I want to see him play great defense, block some shots, get some rebounds, hustle up and down the court. Not. Yeah. I, I wasn't looking for um, Isaiah to come in and, you know, really help us out behind the three-point line. That's I don't think that's his job this year. <laughs> Scoot, you were saying uh, back and forth when we were talking about the game a little bit that you were a little concerned at the other end of the ball, which is out of the point guard position. And is there a true one on this team? That's a good question. I don't know. What do you think, Brent? <sighs> I, I would say our closest thing to a one is is Jordan, and he's he's been struggling this year. His freshman year, the second half of his freshman year, I'm like, okay, here's a kid who's really stepping up as a freshman. He's going to be a leader. He's going to do all these things. And, you know, I, I haven't seen him pr- improve a whole lot since his freshman year. And, and last year, it was very obvious when Miles came into the game, he was a more effective player than Jordan was. And Jordan, I, th- I think he had a pretty good game today in the eight or nine minutes that he played. He hit a couple buckets, which is, has got to help his confidence. But, you know, looking at, or watching him play against Gonzaga, he was getting beat off the dribble. Um, he wasn't hitting shots. He throws some crazy behind the head uh, pass, and it's a turnover. And uh, he, he was not helping us at all against Gonzaga. And to see him hit a couple of shots today, I think that's going to boost his confidence. But uh, I think he's really the only true point guard on the team. But Miles is so effective, McBride. And then McNeil is struggling. And I think you're going to see Taz start to get some more minutes as well at at the two. So we got three really good two guards. But uh, right now, Sean just seems a little cold. Well, we saw Taz started the second half of the Georgetown game. And in place of McNeil, so you might be onto something. Yeah, I, well, I actually said that I, I believe on one of my Facebook posts this week after the Gonzaga game. I said Taz has earned the starting position, and, and I think he has. Today he was four for nine, and Sean was I want to say one for six. You know, Taz is playing great basketball. He's a better passer than Sean, and kind of like what I said with Gabe, he he lets the game come to him more than Sean, who tries to force the action and force his shots. And it's interesting because it it's 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 a it's a weird situation to be in where I think we have a bunch of number twos. I think we have a bunch of shooting guards, and and no real point guards. Nobody who like at the end of the day, I feel like as they come up the court is going to do the thing that a point guard should do. Because I think when Miles is is playing the one, he wants to be more of a shooting guard, and he wants to try to drive and find yep. that jumper. And then when when Jordan comes up playing the one on the other end, I feel like, and I mean this, I mean this in the nicest way I possibly can, but I feel like it starts to become a little too Harlem Globetrottery, and he wants to do the behind the back pass or the he wants to look too flashy and not run the game. And so, how much of a concern is that going to be moving forward, where we don't have a true one? And that was a very nice way for you to put it, because <laughs> when he's throwing some of those crazy passes. It, I think if you're really producing and you're making some of those passes, you accept that as a coach that, yeah, that's just part of his game. But if he's playing four or five minutes a game and he's having two or three of those turnovers like that, I'm not tolerating that as a coach. Um, so and, and neither is I, Hugs. Hugs isn't tolerating yeah, it either. <laughs> I, I would like to just see him come up and, and just play a game without without the flash. Make good, solid passes. Don't turn the ball over. If you're open, make the shot. And, and we don't need a, a bunch of YouTube highlights out of him. We need better defense, knock down some shots, and make good passes. Well, and don't you think – I don't think we saw it today, and I'm a little bit surprised, but – 
and maybe that's because Georgetown doesn't have the personnel, but I, I think it, we don't think about it today maybe, but Guido in the future, we might, if other teams decide to press and can press and like, you know, extend half court zones to trap and things like that. I think it probably comes up as a discussion point. again. Well, we saw it in the Western Kentucky game, like miles kind of crumbled. Like we talked about it last week on the show. Miles had yeah. a hard time when Western Kentucky started to press. Yeah, anytime they turned up that heat a little bit, then it, it got a little bit ugly. That's where I think we need Jordan to kind of be, because I think Jordan, with his ability to handle the ball, can be a big asset to us when other teams press. Yeah. But yeah. he's such a hot and cold player. We're flashing Gabe to the middle of the court to try to be a release for that trap. And I don't know that I want Gabe dribbling the ball up the court. No. So that's a concern. That's a concern. Well, and I don't know that Gabe is uber. Like, don't you think Gabe's probably not uber comfortable with that? Yeah, either? I don't think. Like, I was gonna say I don't think Gabe wants to dribble the ball. Up. I don't think Gabe wants to yeah, bring the I, ball. Up I the thought court. it was odd. We would leave McNeil in the corner so that when we broke the press, we would try to kick the ball to him in the corner. But me personally, I'd rather have McCabe flashing to the middle of the court than leave Gabe somewhere else away from the ball. I don't know. It's just yeah. Sometimes, so, sometimes though, when you're under massive amounts of pressure, you got a guard up there. Two guys are guarding him. He he almost has to lob it to get it out of the uh, to get it out of the trap, and it helps to have a big outlet where he can go up and get the ball, kind of like a rebound. But when he gets the ball in the middle, he's got to be looking right to his left or his right or left and giving up the ball to a guard again. But but to have that big guy coming in and to be able to lob it up to him. Sometimes that helps instead of one of your two guards flashing in. Good point. No, that makes sense. Yeah. So going back to the Gonzaga game, uh, you know, we looked great. Uh, it was the I think it was the best game we played all year as a team. We looked strong. They killed us in transition, which I think, and Hugs even came out at halftime and said to Holly Rowe, like, they're a good team in transition. We need to be. We need to get back. And then I think because this year there's no crowd in the stands all you can hear the whole game was Huggins yelling get back or somebody on the bench yelling get get back but we just there were parts of the game that we just got destroyed in in transition but that I mean and again this will get Scoot riled up I'm ready but ESPN (laughs) loves the fact that somebody gets loves Gonzaga first of all like ESPN like I don't even I don't think ESPN cared who what they they were playing West Virginia because it felt like all they talked about was Gonzaga and then you know, somebody gets hurt on Gonzaga. Suggs gets hurt, and then it's like that's all. That's all they covered for the whole game. It was ankle gate. <laughs> ankle <It> was, gate. <laughs> ankle gate. We were watching. I've never watched a guy skip, hop, and jump <laughs> in a hallway more than that game. And we're devoting two thirds of the screen. At times, it was two thirds Jalen Suggs in a hallway. One third the actual game being played. It was so that annoying. Drove me insane. Oh, so bad. He's a great player. He's a good player, but he's not Michael Jordan. He's not the second coming of like, there was no like wait until Jalen Suggs gets here. Like, yeah, he was a top 10 recruit. That's fine. But I don't care about his ankle. He's not playing. Let's worry about the guys that are playing in the game right now. <laughs> we've got a guy, sorry, Brent, I'm going on a rant. No, we got a guy who got called for a foul. He had minor surgery, came back right. in the game. You never knew it because they never talked about it. He had stitches. McNeil. Came back in the game, but we're going to watch And the foul Jalen was Suggs on ankle. him. And, yeah. yeah. And right. the foul was on him. It was McNeil's fault that he got stitches. So. Right. <laughs> illegal use of forehead. Yeah, illegal use of forehead. Mr. Miyagi comes out of the hallway. 
claps his hands and all of a sudden Jalen Suggs is healthy and playing again. I don't know what's going on here. I don't know. Well, this is this is this all a ruse just for ratings. What's going on? Oh, this is ESPN's MO school. You and I have talked about this before. Like they got to find it's 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 that sensationalization of the game and whatever's going on. Like I'm surprised when all that was happening with Suggs that at some point the guys announcing the game didn't talk about how Jared Dagey was from Lubbock, Texas and didn't get recruited by Texas Tech. Like that's ESPN for you in a nut, in a nutshell. So did you give us a Pat Noriyuki uh, Morita <laughs> reference, Mr. Right Mr. There, Miyagi? Yeah. I like it. Mr. Miyagi yes. reference. I like, I like it. it. I like that. Yes. I have another question quickly for for Brent though, um, because I think in the Gonzaga game, and then we saw it this evening, um, this afternoon against the Hoyas. The the bigs, the foul trouble to our bigs was a huge issue. And I think until that, you know, we asserted ourselves here against Georgetown in like the last five, six minutes of the game. But I think that and some ridiculous three point shooting from Georgetown. But I think those fouls on the bigs really kept them in the game. And so I guess my question is, Brent, do you think like, you know, when you were playing, if you notice the game being called a certain way, does do you stop and kind? Of, and I know, like, look, you, you, I'm sure you play how you play. You can't just suddenly adjust. But do you try to like, you know, be more cognizant of like, I'm trying not to get this third foul, or I'm trying not to pick up some bad. You know, tonight I felt like Oscar and and Derek had just like a couple swipes, and they just had some bad bad fouls called. You know, do you try to consciously dial that back a little bit? Yeah. So usually, and Gonzaga, the Gonzaga game is an exception to the rule, but usually you get a feel the first few minutes of the game on how the refs are calling it. Then you you adjust accordingly. If you get a quick foul, okay, he's calling the little touch fouls. I need to ease off a little bit. Uh, in the Gonzaga game. They kind of let a lot of stuff go in the first half, and then the second half rolls around. It's like they're calling a totally different game, and that's really rare. But, but Scott, you're right. Um, you have to kind of gauge how they're calling them and then uh, adjust to the referees. They're not going to adjust to you. And any time that they start calling closer games, it's really at a, a disadvantage for West Virginia because we play such a physical, yeah. you know, sometimes it's almost like the old biggie style of basketball. And then yeah, right. if they call the the hand checking and a little bit of pushing underneath and physical play, that's at a disadvantage for us. But uh, a couple things that we we do, we attack the, the rim so hard on the offensive rebounds that we're going to get some over the back calls from Culver and Oscar. And you hate to have them not go after those. Um, right. But then the other thing is if if the guards get beat off the dribble, all of a sudden the, the big guy underneath has to guard the guard and his guy. So he's he's almost playing two on one at times. So if if the guards can do a better job of you know preventing the other team from driving in, we can avoid some fouls as well. We're not seeing at we're not seeing as much of that. It's more aggressive play and you know it's Culver instead of keeping his hands straight up, he wants to, you know, as soon as the guy shoots, drop one hand and try to hit the ball. Yeah. He's got yeah. to avoid doing those things. Yeah, I think Timmy for Gonzaga was a non-factor in the first half until Oscar and, and Culver got into big trouble. And then once Timmy got a couple of points, a couple baskets, I felt like that opened up their whole team because now they're able to get the ball in the paint. And, you know, yeah. we're trying to force guys that aren't comfortable necessarily defending a player like Drew Timmy. All of a sudden we've got – not that Gabe can't handle him, but, you know, Drew Timmy's a pretty skilled player. 
Mm-hmm. And then you've got Isaiah Cottrell in there, and you've got you know Emmett Matthews at times. You just had some kind of mismatches for us defensively. Well, he got fifteen. He got fifteen of his seventeen points in the second half. So I mean, it, it, they definitely. Oh. You, that switched over in that second half, too. Yeah, and speaking of Emmett Matthews, don't you think – like tonight you got those glimpses of – I just sat there watching the game like, oh, man, there's those flashes that you're like, there it is. I love that. Wish he could do that all the time, man. In the in the Georgetown game? I agree. Yeah, in the Georgetown, yeah, in the Georgetown game. He looked great today, and, and I'm going to talk about him kind of like I did Jordan earlier where this freshman year I'm like man this guy's got a legit chance of going to the NBA he can knock down the three he can slash to the hoop he can finish you know dunking on just about anyone he's a fantastic athlete and and I I need to see more of what we saw today out of him though he's got you know I I talk about some guys like Jalen Bridges and Kedron Johnson these guys need to come and let the game come to them I want to see Emmett be more assertive. I want to see him attack more and draw on the defense, kick it out for three-pointers. You know, that'll open it up for Taz and and Sean. And, you know, he'll force the big guys to come and guard him, and he can dump it off to Culver and, and Oscar. A lot of good things can happen when Emmett, you know, asserts himself and, and is plays, plays more aggressive. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I agree. I don't, want, I don't want him to become – and this is maybe harsh, I don't know, but – I don't want him to become Issa Ahmad 2.0. Like, Issa Ahmad, right. physically, I mean, you look at the guy, you're like, holy cow, this guy's going to be a force. He should And been. sometimes he was, and then sometimes he slept, <laughs> like, the entire game. Like, you're like, is this guy awake? What's this deal? And I worry for Matthews. When he was, when Issa was playing at, you know, very early on, I'm like, man, this guy's the second best guy on the team next to Carter. You know, he, he, he could do so many things. And he just declined and declined, and he sat out a bunch of games. And when he came back, we started this losing streak, and and I, I was always defending him, and it, it was it, he he was so frustrating to watch because I wanted him to do well, and and every game I just wanted him to do well and yeah he kept turning the ball over and he had huge hands and i don't know how he kept losing the ball i was like he was half asleep well and i just think you see it's pretty much you hit it on the head i mean when emmett plays like that then everyone on the you know you kind of get like oh here's it was a spark we we thought we only had to focus on the two bigs Uh, wow now we got this explosive guy on the wing i think the court then opens up you know passing lanes shooting lanes stuff like that so when you see that tonight it just i get excited about it i hope we see more of that i think emmett's the reason why we won tonight to be honest with you because i think once he hit that uh alley-oop dunk yeah it's like a switch went off in his in his body and all of a sudden he got more aggressive more well, assertive. And you could tell then he I had mean, that other ridiculous dunk yeah yeah and it fires everybody up i mean the bench is up you know everybody's fired up cheering i mean that when you don't have a crowd to me that was huge because then uh, the energy the emotion got up really quick hey i know a dunk like that is only two points just like a pull-up 15 footer but something like that can absolutely change the momentum of the game and i was sitting here watching it with some friends and uh that second dunk that he did when he drove in he jumped off of his he was coming in dribbling with his right hand and jumped off of his right foot and those are kind of things that i pay attention to like that's extremely difficult to do and and it, it is an incredibly athletic move to do that and uh 
man, we just need more of that out of him because, man, I, I actually stood up off my chair and yelled. <laughs> he, he got me into a much less their bench. Well, and he, I thought tonight, too, was more engaged with his teammates. He was yelling and one, I think, when Oscar was in the paint or whatever. You know, I think he was kind of uh, – it reminded me a little bit of Elijah Macon. Elijah Macon was kind of that guy a lot of times trying to get his teammates fired up, even if it wasn't you know him scoring. It was kind of cheering – teammates on i also think if you pay attention a lot of times too when emmett's on the floor he'll be a quiet leader to other guys too you may have noticed at one point like oscar was really debating a call to the official emmett went over and made him put his arms down and like like hey calm down let's move on you know and i i i noticed those sort of things out of him and i like that because to me you need some people on the floor that are gonna kind of assume that role and i i I like seeing him do that i saw the same thing and i absolutely loved it yeah it looked like a leader just yeah you know, yeah, that's what, and we should expect that out of him. You know, at this point in his career with with the team, so I think he can be that guy. Yeah, Brett is is that Gonzaga loss? Would you qualify that loss as a good loss? I mean, number one team in the nation, we're ranked eleventh. You know, is that a good? I know, I know, as a player, and as and you know, you're gonna say, well, there's no such thing as a good loss, but like as a fan, is that a good loss? Are we in the? I mean, that's a close game. Are we in the right trajectory where you think this team is is going to succeed this season? I absolutely think so. So when you get a team like this that has all the preseason hype and uh, they start believing it and they don't have to come out and play hard every every game, and if they come out and take the number one team down, you know, fourth game of the season, how how much harder are they going to work in practice? Uh, are, are they going to start cruising? You know, uh, Hugs would never accept them to just, you know, uh, put put it on cruise control, but uh, I do think in the long term that loss is actually going to help us win. It's going to put our ego in check. Know that we have things to work on, and you know we did lose to them, but one of their best players was hurt the whole game or most of the game as well. So it could have been a bigger loss. So I, I do think in the long term, I I, I want to say that that loss helps us. And I, and I think that. You know, it was fun to play a Big East foe this, the, you know, this weekend. Um, Georgetown, not the team that it was, you know, even when, you, I mean, especially when you played them back in, you know, the 90s and, and what they've been, they, th- that team's kind of fallen off in the recent in their recent years, but still fun to play. What was it like to watch, you know, playing an old Big East foe? Uh, it, it was, <laughs> it, it felt the same, you know, to see the big G out on the court and, you know, Ewing wasn't the coach, but John Thompson was. And uh, he was a big, imposing figure, just like Ewing was. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was fun to see them out there playing against the Hoyas again. I, I would love, I'd actually like to see us schedule more of those games. And you played when you played them. You played them at the MCI Center, right? You, you they didn't play because tonight they played at the at the auxiliary gym. It was <laughs> like their the auxiliary gym. Yeah, it was like their well, practice. It was like their yeah, on like campus, their practice right? Yeah, it's on. Yeah, it was the MCI Center. Uh, the last time I played them, uh, it, it was where the Washington Wizards play yeah this was like uh the auxiliary gym i went to a a (laughs) small school in vermont for a couple of years and it kind of reminded me of the castleton state college gym (laughs) on a tuesday night it just the bleachers were pushed in it was just real weird did they have cardboard cutouts too scoot like during your tenure there where no they they did not but uh, i mean 
they didn't have a lot of fans at the st- in the stands at games, so I guess you might <laughs> they, as well. They could have used, used the cardboard cutouts. cutout. Division three vo- yeah. uh, basketball in upstate Vermont. We also didn't talk about, Scoot, how you and Jay Billis, by the way, are kindred spirits. I think. Yes. Well, I mean, we got to we got to touch on this because Jay Billis spent a lot of time in the Gonzaga game talking about players' hair. Yes, like there was a lot of hair talk in that Gonzaga. A lot game. of hair talk. I thought you were going to go with Jay Billis being very smart. He's a lawyer. He's got a law degree. I figured you were going to go down that road. Um, I guess if we if he talked about hair, what I can say is that he's got a keen eye of observation, like I do. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about back when you played, Brent, but uh, Scoot is really concerned about the hair game of the players nowadays. I was a headband guy back in the day. Really? Brent, did you ever wear the headband? Did you ever headband it up? Uh, I never did. Nope. Were there any players when you played, were there any players that were super concerned about their hair on game day? No. Um, <laughs> you saw some of the guys on our teams would would shave their head. And, you know, if it was a big ESPN game, they'd come in, you know, totally bald. Of course, I, that would that would not look good on me. But, uh, you know, I think I cared about the least on the team. Some of the guys for other big games would, you know, get a haircut the day of the game. And I would, you know, sometimes go six weeks without, without a haircut. Scoot, you always talk about UConn, and Brent can maybe verify this. I feel like, wasn't it Jake Voskul that always had like a big hair game kind of? He like, had some decent flow. Yeah, he, he Voskul had some decent flow. And I think he was also a headband guy from time to time, right? I'll have to look that up. I don't remember the headband, but I do remember he uh, he used, used some hair product for sure. <laughs> I don't know, though. I'm looking at this 98, this 97-98 team, Brent. I think you might have the best hair game of everybody, anybody on the team. I mean, I'm not sure there's anybody else who had who had a, a good hair game. There's no fade. There's no fade. There weren't no. really any, like, Nate Adrian's, you know. Um, no. I'm trying to think over the years of, like, good hair game. But they were fixated on the, like, multiple Gonzaga hair guys. <laughs> I do remember. I do remember. We played at Boston College one time, and uh, the day after the game, when we were getting ready to get on the bus and fly back to Morgantown, they put uh, a picture of uh, myself, and I was guarding. I want to say Donnie Abrams. I think his name was. Uh, he was their best player at the time. Big, strong guy inside, and 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 I was like, oh my god, I need a haircut, man. Look at <laughs> look at that mop on my head. That's that's the one game where I remember, like, man, I look terrible. I gotta do something about it. I. I always felt that Mike Gansey, or as uh, Johnson's uh, father calls him, Gansky. Is that what he calls yes. him? Yes. Yeah, he Gansky. still talks about how much he liked Mike Gansky. <laughs> I, I, I always felt that he also, had. Also, Scoot, he's also a big, he's also a big fan of uh, Dennis Caliclia. Oh, Dennis Caliclia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like Mike Gansey had the, I just got out of the shower and I put a hood on, but I didn't cover my entire head. Almost kind of like the headphone look because he would take his, he'd be out on the court and he'd have like the, the front would be up, then there'd be a depression in the middle, and then the back would be up as well. A depression? A depression. A depression. A depression. It's been 10 years and I know exactly what you're talking about, Scoot. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, WVU uh, takes a, a win against Georgetown, a tough loss against Gonzaga, and we have coming up Robert Morris, uh, who has only played one other game this season and won against, I think, like point marion's high school team or something i don't know what it is and then we play richmond on the 13th on Dude, sunday the spiders had a big win lately yeah. but i will say now not to take anything away but i think 
They beat Kentucky by, I think, 12 the other day. Kentucky lost, I believe, earlier today to Georgia Tech by 17. So Kentucky's stumbling a little bit. But, hey, anytime you go into Rupp Arena and get a double-digit win, that sounds pretty good to me. So Yeah, and then after that, we jump right into Big 12 play. So it's not – it's right into it. Brent, what do you think? We were, we were ranked, what, 11th, Guido? Yes. We lost to Gonzaga. We beat Georgetown. What do you think that does to our ranking? I think we're still a top 15 team. You know, uh, anytime you can play the number one team in the country that, you know, that tough and and it was on national TV and people saw us, you know, we had a chance to win it. Uh, I don't think that's going to have too much of a negative effect unless if there's a couple people, you know, in the in the five spots below us that all won. Maybe they bump up ahead of us, but you know, we're at least top 20 still. And Guido, I don't know that we I don't know that we go down the rabbit hole, but I think it is worth mentioning that you know that championship game then or i mean what feels like a championship game gonzaga baylor never never materialized um and gonzaga is now on a 14-day pause because of covid issues so that's kind of interesting and hopefully you know my when i first heard that news i was thinking hopefully that doesn't rope wvu in at all but right and we haven't heard anything i mean as we record now there's been no news of any connection and we played our game against georgetown so it didn't look like anything came of it, but yeah, it's Gonzaga's been fighting those issues since I mean since yeah that's right weeks ago. So it seems like each time the positives come out, they're usually like a player that doesn't get a lot of playing time or hasn't played much, and then some other person in their traveling party. So it hasn't been the top seven or eight players that see the the vast majority of their playing time. That see the court much, right? The other thing we should say, guys, if uh, and you probably, uh, I know Brent really wants one already. I don't, I don't know if Brent's a pullover guy, but you got to definitely check out our merch section now. We've got these new shirts out, pullover guy shirts. You got to check them out. Kind of the there's a little silhouette of a, of, a, of one coach who uh, kind of you know likes to wear pullovers. Funny you say that. <laughs> I feel like uh, I was scrolling through our merch section yesterday. Yeah. And I noticed a certain item is sold out. What's, What's that? that? And I, well, knowing Brent like I do, I'd say he's already visited the merch store. Okay. No fanny packs. Fanny nope. packs. Oh, the fanny out. packs are sold out. <laughs> if uh. I know Brent Solheim, I know he's got a fanny pack or two somewhere in his uh, closet. I've known Brent to rock a fanny pack too. He can pull that off. So I think a G I think a G Y E O fanny pack would look good. Definitely. <laughs> I'll have to check it out. I, I did not, you know, empty out the uh, uh, fanny packs from your website, but uh, if you do have one, I may have to check it out. I, I can rock them with the best of them. Well, uh, check out the merch store. Look at our new shirts, Pullover Guy shirts. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Brett, thanks for joining us this week. We appreciate you coming back on. Thank you. It was fun. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, we'll have you back on sooner than later, I am sure. Guys, we're going to take a quick break, come back with the number one game show on a West Virginia University podcast. It's a little game we like to call Bluff the Fluffs. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Got Your Ears On. Vortec Knives is a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in high-quality steel, fast-opening, everyday carrying knives. If you go to VortecKnives.com today and use the code G-Y-E-O, you get a 25% discount on your entire order. That's Vortec, V-O-R-T-E-K, Knives.com, a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in fast-opening, high-quality, everyday carry knives. Vortec Knives. All 
All right, welcome back to Got Your Ears On, Guido, along with Scoot and Johnson. Don't forget, find us on the social medias. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter, at Got Your Ears. You can also look for us on Facebook. Just search Got Your Ears On. Guys, Bluff the Fluffs, number one game show on a West Virginia University sports podcast. And we're coming down to the wire, end of the year. We're going to accumulate all of our numbers, see who wins and gets the big trophy that I have yet to create. Sweet. Yeah, I know. Johnson is up 15 to 11. So, Scoot, your best chance is to tie at this point. And, Scoot, you you got to go on a heater to do that. Here's what Johnson is going to find out in two weeks, is that while he's been winning, the actual winner, we score this like golf. So the actual winner will be the one with the fewest wins. That's not true. It's very bizarre, but I mean, Guido makes up the rules, so I am uh, going along with his rules. That is true. I do make up the rules. That would be a turn, turn a heartbreaking turn of events. We could do that. I mean, it would be, it'd be kind of funny. Well, last week, uh, Scooty, again, two weeks in a row, Scooty lost in a heartbreaker where he had the lead going into final bluff and then loses on the final bluff question. Johnson knew more about Iowa when it came down to it at the end and beat Scoot out. Much like the WWE, this is all scripted. This is, <laughs> I mean, this I is... feel like their last second win. It's sort of like hitting that buzzer beater is what, or Hail Mary pass. That's what Maybe. I like This to is think me about. laying on the mat for dead. <laughs> and then like some sort of tag team partner comes down the aisle and he hits uh, Johnson with a metal chair. That's the kind of stuff that's going on here. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. We'll see what happens because this week... We might be back in Scoot's wheelhouse, even though this is a sports topic. Scoot's a huge basketball guy, grew up in Connecticut, and knows a lot about old Big East basketball. So this week, it's true. because we played Georgetown, that is very true. we're going to do some wheelhouse. old Big East basketball nice. talk. Nice. Oh, I yeah. like this. You're in trouble, Johnson. Big trouble. Prob- probably, but I like this. This is good stuff. As you guys know, a correct answer is worth five points. A steal is worth ten points. And Final Bluff is worth 25 points. Before we started, we had a complete and total random flip of the coin. And Johnson, you came out on top. You get to go first this week. Nice. Excited he is. Excited he is. All right, here we go. First question's off to you, Johnson. How many times while a member of the Big East did WVU go to the NCAA tournament? Was it 8, 4, 6, or 11 while members of the big east correct this is tough scoot i'm trying to think so hugs got there in like a seven coach beeline consistently there can i have my choices again i'm sorry yeah eight four six or eleven man this is tough i'm gonna say eight guido that's correct eight times we went a few times with uh coach catlett and coach beeline and then huggins I don't know if you remember, Huggins came in and he went every year up until we left the Big East. So, yeah, awesome. Good job, Johnson. You take a quick lead right there, five to nothing. And, Scooty, this next question is to you. Yes. Which of these schools is not a charter member of the Big East? Georgetown, UConn, Marquette, or Providence? That's an easy one, Guido, easy one. Al McGuire's Marquette. That's correct. Marquette was not a charter member of the Big East. Softball. Softball, Johnson says. Well, you know, I mean, you don't know. You're it's Scoot. You don't know what he balls. knows and doesn't know. Sometimes Scoot doesn't know things. You don't know me. You don't know me. 
This is Skeet's backyard. Big East <clears throat> basketball was his backyard. You got to give him tougher questions. All right, here we go, Johnson. Next question to you. We're all tied up five apiece. A bitter. What St. John's super freshman ended up on the cover of Sports Illustrated before he ever played his freshman year? Oh, my Was God. it Philippe Lopez, Ron Artest, James Scott, or Zendon Hamilton? Scoot, you're giving the eye roll, uh, but that's what I mean because you grow – this is your neighborhood. I, I don't remember the answer to this, but I'm – I was thinking – I was thinking Hamilton, Guido, but I'm not I'm not sure. Sorry, that's incorrect. That is not the correct answer. Scooty for ten points in the steal. Philippe Lopez, Ron Artest, or or James Scott. Uh this was a teammate of Zenden. Zenden it in, as Bill Raftery would say. Um it was Felipe Lopez. He was like a phenom. He was kind of like LeBron before LeBron, and then he kind of fizzled out. That's true. That's your correct answer for 10 points and the steal. Scooty takes a 15 to 5 lead. You guys didn't. I thought one of you would at least bite on the meta world peace thing. Like, I thought you'd go. Yeah, meta that was that. an enticing choice. But Felipe is one of those kids, too, that stayed stayed at home to play at St. John's. He was a local kid, and that was kind of a almost seen as like a, a coup to get him to stay because he could have gone anywhere. And and he uh, he ended up playing what in the NBA for a couple of years for the Timberwolves or not, something. Yeah, not very long. Not very long. All right. Well, congratulations. Scoot takes the lead right there on the steal, fifteen to five. And this next question is back to him, Scooty. The Big East tournament has famously been played in Madison Square Garden since nineteen eighty three, but where was the first Big East tournament played in nineteen eighty? Was it the Hartford Civic Center, the Carrier Dome? the Providence Civic Center, or the Nassau Coliseum? Well, Guido, because it was headquartered in Providence, Rhode Island, I'm going to go with the Providence Civic Center. That's a correct answer for five points. Johnson, Scooty now leads 20 to five. You don't look so happy, buddy. No, I mean, now give me a real question. But, like, give, I mean, I'm, Scoot gets I Marquette and where is it headquartered? I mean, look, like, this is talk about a trap game i walked into a buzzsaw here <laughs> johnson is not too not too happy don't worry the script says you'll win at the end maybe you never know all right wvu played 290 games as a member of the big east what was their winning winning percentage for those 290 <laughs> games was it I'm sorry was it 53 percent 49 percent 42% or 57% Johnson? Well, I think, I mean, there were some rough seasons in there for sure, but largely we had success. I, I'm not going to go your highest, but I think you said the next highest was 53%. That's correct. Uh, I'm going to go there. Mm. Sorry, that's incorrect. That's not the right answer. Well, glad Scoot. I could help you, Scoot. <laughs> All right. For 10 points in the steel, Scoot, was it 49%, 42%, or 57%? I'm going to go on the low end. I'm going to say 42%. Sorry, that's incorrect as well. It was 49%, 142 to 148 games. Wow. So really close, but yeah. All right, nobody gets any points right there. Scoot still has a 15-point lead, 20-5 to 5 over Johnson. And Scoot, this next question is back to you. Which of these players did not score at least 2,000 points during their college career? Chris Smith of UConn, Deshaun Butler of WVU, Ray Allen of UConn, 
or Luke Herringody of Notre Dame? This is a really tough question. Did not score 2,000 points. Being a Connecticut native, I know that Chris Smith was UConn's leading scorer at some point in his career. Ray Allen scored a ton of points. Deshaun was a tremendous player here. And then Luke Herringody, although he looked like an ogre, I think he scored a lot of points. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna, we used to call Luke Herringody Shrek. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Deshaun, Deshaun Butler. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Deshaun did have over 2,000 points while at WVU. Johnson, was it Chris Smith, Ray Allen, or Luke Herringody? Scoot, I feel like this is some kind of trick question because I feel like all these guys scored 2,000. Even Herring Goody for his time, he was sort of like the main guy at the Irish, with the Irish. So yeah, did Ray Allen leave early? I thought he was a senior when he left, so I don't think that's what it is. Um, I, I guess I'll fall back because I kind of thought Scoot was right. I'm going to fall back to Luke Herring Goody. But no, he also had over 2,000 points. It was Ray Allen. Ray early. Allen he only had 1,922 so points. I'd say he left maybe after his junior year, maybe. I think he might have left yeah, after I should have gone with my gut there. Okay, that was interesting. Quite, that was a good question. Nobody gets any points right there, Scoot. You still have the lead 20-5 to 5 as we go into final bluff. This question's worth 25 points. Scoot, you could have had you could have had that unsurmountable lead, but I know. Johnson still can eke in right here. This is a, t- well, this is a tough place Well, two bad things have just be. happened, right? So one is I have opened the door slightly for Johnson. Number two is we have now lost Luke Herringody as a potential listener. <laughs> it's true. You just called him Shrek. So... so if he was if he was listening at one point, he is now not. Downloads in the upper Midwest just slipped a little. One less download yes. next week, Scoot, and it's all your fault. Northern Indiana, fault. we are going to be <laughs> plummeting. Well, as we always do, guys, we ask you to have your own buzzers for this segment. Scoot, what's your buzzer this week? Zoiks. <laughs> all right. And Johnson, what do you got for a buzzer? Herring goatee. All right, he's going. He's gonna. He's trying to win it. Yeah, back. I'm trying double to double down, doubling down. Get some good, some good graces that down here. Back. Yeah, that's right. All right, here we go. Last question. In 2012, WVU left the Big East. How much did WVU finally have to pay the Big East Conference to get out? Was it five million dollars, forty-five million dollars? $20 million or $12 million? Zoiks! Scoot. Scoot's in early. It was $20 million cash. That's correct. $20 million. Scoot gets the win. Boom. The Big East win. I needed to. That's right. $20 million. WVU uh, paid $9 million of it out of pocket, and the Big 12 came in and paid the other $11 million. So they wanted us, guys. They, they, I don't know. <laughs> I could we can we maybe try to negotiate that back? Could we, <laughs> yeah, we is like, it like a pawn shop in. where we could like yeah like oh we've pawned our membership and we'd like to buy it back? <laughs> right. I think the problem might be the Big East doesn't have football anymore. Listen, I I would venture to guess, and this is maybe a topic for another segment, but I would venture to guess that we could play a lot of teams that we would much rather play if we were independent versus what mm. we're doing right now. Yeah, that's like a well, that's a whole segment in itself, I feel like. Well, guys, that might be the next segment because we're going to take a break. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about a little bit of football. Congratulations to Scoot. He closes the gap. Now 15 games to 12. Johnson still has the lead, but Scoot wins this week on Big East Tournament Topic 45 
to five. We'll be right back, guys. Don't go anywhere. We'll talk football when we get back because you're listening to Got Your Ears On. Tactical Legion Knives, a West Virginia-owned and operated company that specializes in heavy-duty tactical knives and gear for the professional warrior, the weekend warrior, and the outdoor warrior. Our products are built tough. For who? For warriors. Hey, Mountaineer fans, make sure you go on Amazon and search Tactical Legion Knives. And when you do, make sure you put in the promo code 25TOBRADIO for Tob Radio. You'll get 25% off on Tactical Legion Knives. All right, welcome back to Got Your Ears On, Guido, along with Scoot and Johnson. And don't forget to check out our website, gotyourearson.com. has everything about us, including links to our merch site, which has that new awesome shirt, Johnson, pullover guy. Yeah, I mean, we know a guy that might like to wear a pullover, right? So if you check the link, um, it'll take you there, Scoot. Yeah, and don't don't fret. The fanny packs will be in stock. <laughs> Keep your eyes peeled. But listen, if you go to gotyourson.com, you'll see, just like we always say, but if you're new, you can go there and see the latest blog post for the show, all the show notes, uh, including all the cool stuff we talked about with Brent Solheim, um, as well as link to the merch store that Guido just mentioned. And you can listen to the show right on the tune in link right on the site. So check it out. Yeah, definitely check it out. Gotyourearson.com. Guys, I don't really want to talk about football this week, but, you know, we're a West Virginia University sports podcast. We talk about WVU Mountaineer sports, and so I guess we're kind of, you know, contractually obligated we to talk about. We are beholden to talk about football as well, even when it felt really bad Saturday. Oh, man. Iowa State takes, uh, takes the hammer, drops a cyclone, if you will, on West Virginia, 42 to six. The six points, by the way, just in an odd circumstance of things, just to add on top of everything else, weird about this game. Uh, the six points come from Tyler Supner coming in as the field goal kicker and kicking two field goals towards the end of the game. So, Like if it wasn't weird enough for you. If it wasn't weird enough, our punter scored the most points of anybody else on our team. <laughs> in, in a quick summary of how the game went... The punter was the leading scorer. So West Virginia uh, just has a rough game. And, uh, you know, looking at it, guys, and watching the game, uh, it, it was just obvious. One, Iowa State is a good team. I know that Scooty thinks it's a trash school that nobody cares about, but Iowa State is a good team. It's a lot of seniors on that team. It's a very, very strong offensive line. It's definitely the best defense that we've seen all season, and it showed in the score. Um, I think that Iowa State team is going to beat Oklahoma, most likely Oklahoma, in the Big 12 championship game and has sort of a backdoor into the NCAA championship game uh, series. College football playoff. Thank you, Scoot. Whatever they're calling it now, BCS championship, whatever it is named this year. I just I have to tell you that it just was a very tough game to watch. De you know, defense looked weak. Offense looked weak. Scoot. I know that you're the guy who has been calling this team out all season on our show, and this kind of paid off for you this week. Well, I hate to see that it did. I mean, I like to think of myself as a genius, but I, it was tough to watch because de defensively, things that hadn't happened all year were happening in this game. All year, we've, done, we've defended the pass pretty well, 
all of a sudden, if you've got long red hair and you're six feet six inches tall, you're wide open and you're catching 10 yard passes. Like that guy looked like the, I think I told you guys, looked like that Disney character from Brave. Yeah, Merida. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like were, what? Yeah, Merida was killing us from the tight end slot. But Scoot, don't you think, I, I know how you feel about Iowa State and, and, Twitter was, I don't know what Facebook did. I think it melted down, but Twitter was quick to say, you know, look, this is uh, Coach Campbell in his fifth year. You can tell this is Coach Brown in his second year. And I get that. But, Scoot, don't you feel like this was a step backwards? This this felt like a step backwards along the way. I mean, I, I knew this was going to be a tough task. When we talked about the game last week, I said, you know, regardless of fans in the stands, it's hard to go on the road and win, especially against a really good team. But when you when you were thinking going into this game, did you ever expect it to look quite like it did 42 to six? No. And I think I mentioned to you guys yesterday, the, the buildup for football. So you have to string together four five, six, seven games to get a, a positive feel for a season or for a team. And one game though, in football can eliminate all of that good feeling. Right. And that's what yesterday was. Yeah, I would agree with that. We had some road bumps, you know, in the earlier part of the season. Texas Tech was a road bump. But this was like, whoa. Yeah. Because you want to think, okay, we're getting closer. But all of those games, Scoot, we were in all of those games. True. The Texas Tech game, the Texas game. Like, fourth quarter, we still were in the – like, halfway through the first quarter, we were out of this game. Like, yeah, this felt Guido after two Iowa state possessions and after two WVU possessions, like, like you're saying uh, like two thirds of the way through the first quarter, I felt the person I was watching it with, we were like, wow, this is already like, you can just tell we're not going to be able to affect what's going on here. And it, you could just like, I've read this book before. I know where this is going. I was sitting there with two minutes left to go in the third quarter, and I was like, are we sure this isn't the fourth quarter? <laughs> like, it just felt like the game was going to end in two minutes. Like, it didn't even uh, – I just – is is this, guys, do you think this is symptomatic of having such a long time off, having not played since mid-November? Now here we are on the, you know, the 5th of December playing a game and we haven't played in 20-some days or whatever it was. I mean, I don't I don't want to say that that's the reason because here's how you should be looking. If you're a college athlete, here's how you should be looking at it, right? If you beat Iowa State and you beat Oklahoma or let's say you beat Iowa State and you have a very good showing against Oklahoma, that to me gives you still a very positive spin. You're definitely looking at a better bowl than you probably are looking at now. Right. And – like I've I've said this and I'll say it and I'll continue to say it. Part of the reason why I don't trust Iowa State or I think they're a nowhere school is they don't beat Texas and Oklahoma consistently yet. If they start doing that, I'll start giving them more respect. If we want to be considered the top tier, the top I mean we're the top half I think of the conference. But if we want to be top tier You've got to beat Texas and Oklahoma, regardless of what their records are. That's all the national media pays attention to. So until you start beating them regularly, you know, I watched the, uh, the what is it, the college football game day. All five pickers went Iowa State. And, like, it wasn't even, like, they didn't even really debate. Nobody even had anything real pod. They were like, well... WVU, they have a football team. We're picking Iowa State. Don't you think that now 
a, a really sorry byproduct of that. The, with the way these games, you know, we were going to play Oklahoma, then we didn't. Now that game's been shuffled behind this Iowa State loss. To me, it now a sorry byproduct is, I think at least, now the Oklahoma game doesn't really mean anything. And, and Oklahoma can kind of play a lame duck game i mean i don't think they will but it doesn't affect their being locked into the big 12 championship now so i think it ironically you could now go and pull off a win against oklahoma and it doesn't i mean obviously it would mean something to us because we want to win that game but in the scheme of things it doesn't really mean a whole lot well that's that's what i was going to say to you guys like what does this oklahoma does this oklahoma game like so we know where we're at this season you know we're five and four we still have a winning record you know we're going to play in a bowl game because everybody gets to play in a bowl game this year apparently but i mean we're probably going to play in whatever bowl game we end up playing in and we have yet to beat Oklahoma since we've been in the Big 12. Well, and, and I think more importantly, Guido, in a season like this, and I feel like I'm going to beat Scoot to the punch because he's already probably thinking this, but in my mind, and I'm probably being hypercritical, but it's another one of those seasons where you feel like anyone you played with a pulse, you took an L. Any Anyone that we beat, I mean, okay, that's great, but we'd re- it's really no one to, to write home about. Statement. Where's our statement win? Well, that's my question for you, Scoot. Like, you've been saying all along that an Oklahoma win, us beating Oklahoma, is a statement win. So let's say that, you know, the Sooners come into Morgantown next weekend, we beat them, and we beat them, say, let's say we beat them by two touchdowns. Is that a statement win to you at this point? I Well... Yes and no, right? So yes, it is, you have to you if you want to be Neil Brown, you have to be the ranked Oklahoma team. I mean, and and kind of take that because I think it pays dividends in recruiting. I think it it gives you a positive spin going toward the um, the postseason, if you will. Because here's the thing, fellas, and I this thought just popped into my head. So with nothing really on the line. Because it's senior day, I think we we have a better chance of seeing a Darius Stills or some of these other seniors play. But had the game the games not been flip flopped, and had we lost at Oklahoma, if there was nothing on the line against Iowa State, are we at the point now in college football where we already see guys sit out of bowl games? Yeah, I see where Do you're we going. start to see where like. Hey, there's nothing on the line for this last regular season game. Right. I, you know, I've been told that I could be, you know, a top three round draft pick. Right. I'm going to sit out. I don't want to take any chances. Which is a valid point. Yeah. No, that's a that's an interesting point. I mean, because it it's that bowl game is this really necessary thing starts to creep in. I guess. So I right. think you know very realistically, this next Iowa State or the next Oklahoma game could be the last time we see Darius in a uniform because maybe he sits out the name this car part bowl game. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I just want to clarify too what I said. I'm not trying to say that a game against Oklahoma is never going to be big. That's always going to be big. It's always probably going to be the biggest game of the season, and I think it's still going to be a big game like that next week. All I'm saying is now you can see if we were to win – you could see or you could envision the Oklahoma side of the argument saying, well, I mean, we're we're just sort of playing this out. We already know we're in the conference championship game. I mean, I don't think they would do that, but to me it it just loses a some bit of its luster it would have had. No, absolutely. And I mean, like you look at like Oklahoma played Baylor this past weekend. They beat Baylor twenty four to fourteen, or twenty seven to fourteen. It it wasn't a pretty win. And then we know Baylor's kind of a dumpster fire yeah, this year anyway. Right. 
you know, they Oklahoma only had 76 rushing yards. They only threw for 193. They were 5 for 13 against Baylor's defense. They were 5 for 13 on third downs. So Oklahoma, even though they won and they solidified their their championship game, they still didn't look that great this weekend. So now they come into Morgantown. Are they do they care about this game? And I agree with Scoot. Like, do you see guys not play? Do you see Oklahoma make the decision to bench some guys. Maybe Spencer Rattler doesn't play all four quarters. I, I don't know what happens. And I just, I don't want, I, in the same sense, like, I want this win, you know, I want couches to burn in Morgantown. I want this win to be a big win if we can beat Oklahoma. And, but in the same sentence, and this is where I'll pivot the other way, which is in order to beat Oklahoma, no matter how you look at it, we got to score some touchdowns and that didn't happen this past weekend. Yeah, I think once again it was just a scoot. It was another one of those like, oh man, you know, here we go again with the offense. And you know, you said it a couple weeks ago. That was still in the back of my mind. We had, we had played some fun early on in the season about Gerard Pacquiao and the air raid, uh, the French uh, air raid, air France raid <laughs> offense. Pacquiao. And man, it's you. You said a couple weeks ago. Apparently, it's the hangar is packed with Cessnas and sandpipers. Yeah, a bunch of those Boeing's, those bad Boeing's. Yeah, like it's. <laughs> right. uh, we're we're not seeing a whole lot of um, big play potential, and I guess Guido in. In their defense, I mean, we didn't have Sam James, uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton didn't play in this game, but you got the feeling that, you know, I at first I was like, oh, that's not good. But then seeing things develop, I was sitting there thinking, I don't know that that would have mattered a whole lot, to be honest. We just didn't look competent at all on that side of the ball. Here's here's what I find interesting, Guido, is, okay, so we're, what are we, five and four, correct? Yes, correct. that's right. Okay. If, if we lose against Oklahoma at best we can end up six and five at best six and five so if we lose let's say we lose both games the next one and the bowl game and okay. we end up five and six our record last year was what five and seven yeah is that a step forward or a step back and and even if let's say we do win one of the next two games is it enough of a step forward to get excited about the future well, I Scoot, I know from my perspective, and then and then you know Guido, see what you think. But I, to me, there's two things at play here, and I know you're going to say that probably sounds like an excuse. But number one, I I I like Neil Brown. That's the hard part of this is like it doesn't make me not like Neil Brown any any you know any more or less. I mean, I'm still I'm I'm still in his camp, and I still think we're going to do good things with Neil Brown. I, I think number two, this has been such an odd year with COVID and just. Uh, you know, maybe some of that kind of stuff played into this past week. And I don't mean like contact tracing or anything. I just mean, you know, the fact that you geared yourself up to play Oklahoma, then that was pulled. Another game was inserted, you know, who knows how that played with, with prep and stuff. I don't know, but I think, I, I think it's a little bit, even though I, yeah, I'm disappointed, I guess, to answer your question, but I don't feel like it's a, it's a step, you know, fully back. I think maybe it's just like, you know, you didn't get the car out of, you know, second gear or something because of such a weird season. Well, and I, I think I'm, I'm in the same camp. And I mean, I'm still, I, listen, I'm just still a trust the climb guy. Like, I'm still there. I still think that the program is going in the right direction. I think that the coaching staff, I think that Neil Brown is the right person for the job right now. I think that everything's, you know, going in the right direction. It's just, I think that next year, you know, call this, you can call last year year one. 
I think you can call this like year one version two, and then next year's year two. And I think that next year, Scoot, we have to see some change. We have to see some improvement because this year, I think everybody with COVID and everything that's going on is saying, well, I guess it is what it is. I, I will say this. You guys keep talking about camps. I feel like last year I was trusting the climb. I was on the climb. I had a Sherpa. We were moving. Right. We were making. I feel like I'm back at the base camp. Okay. On the see, here's the, the thing, climb. Scoot. And, I, and this is my, this is, I think last year, and this is what I don't under, this is what I don't understand about you. I think last year, Johnson and I had very realistic expectations of this team and the team lived up to those expectations last year. It's the first year of a coach. He inherited sort of this dumpster fire of recruits from the you know, Holgerson era. And I, I was happy with you know, the five wins last year and the way that the team went with the situation that that was thrust upon them. I get that this year has been different and, you know, you're not playing a full, a full schedule of games. It's, you know, you've got these starts and stops and people who can't make it and you lose, you know, Gemeiter for a game and then you lose this guy for a game and this guy's got COVID and, you know, or this team doesn't play. I understand all that. I think that that's why I think this year is so hard to judge by if it's if it's a if it's moving forward or not, you know. I also don't want to overreact scoot to one really bad game. I mean, if we're being fair, like I got mad and I stayed mad week after week. I keep bringing it up on the show about how angered I was to lose to the trash can in Lubbock, you know. To to me outside of that week, um, you know, even losing at Texas and everything, we were really in those games. Those games were competitive. And, and even as bad as we played in Lubbock, we're a strip fumble return f- probably from, you know, maybe pulling that out and winning. So it, this just, I think, felt so bad Saturday. I mean, just getting hammered and I know Iowa State's a solid team this year, but I never in my wildest dreams thought I'd watch our defense get hammered to the tune of 42 points. So I'm trying not to overreact to it that. It felt like if I had asked you to do everything tomorrow with your non-dominant hand. Yeah. That's what it felt like. Yeah. Yeah. And but but and here's the thing. Iowa State's a good team. Like you may or may not want to admit it. Iowa State is a good team. Ninth, 10th team in the nation depending on what poll you look at. They're going to play in a good bowl. They're probably the best team in the Big 12 this year. I think that we would be a little less upset if we had scored a little bit, if that score was 42-21, 42-18, something in the realm of, like, at least we look like we showed up to the game. I think that next week, take the bowl game out of it. Take whatever we play. If we play in the Liberty Bowl against Kentucky, if we play whatever car part bowl, take that out of it. I think if we can show up next week and if we can play an Oklahoma team that is, you know, still ranked, that's a that's a there'll be a 13th ranked Oklahoma team coming into Morgantown and we can beat them, that's great. We can make a good showing, that's good. Like I think if we can at least show up to the game. I feel like we well, didn't show up to this game. Here's the thing. This, this right now, so yesterday cannot make you feel good about making a prediction about this game tomorrow. Or no, next week. Yeah, no, definitely like, not. I mean, we can talk about how we, we need to win and how it would make us feel good. But based on yesterday's results, I don't – I mean, I'm predicting next – I don't want to speak for you guys, but I'm not looking forward to seeing anything – 
score wise look close i don't well let, but let, doesn't it make it difficult like guido doesn't it make it really to me because i knew you were going to say that scoot and i know we're going to put some predictions together for oklahoma but doesn't make it difficult to do that because to me this just felt like an outlier for the season i mean i felt like i sat down and watched a team that i haven't watched all season saturday right that's absolutely true well let's talk about it let's dive into it so we play oklahoma saturday at noon all right, and it's in Morgantown, home game. Fifteen thousand fans will be there. Uh, you know, sparsely. Which at uh, Iowa State, fifteen thousand fans looks like uh, a full house. <laughs> it did. It what did do they call like their the stadium, stadium the Weather Center? I don't know what they call. It. They don't play they at the Weather Center. Though. If they don't, they should. Um, so here, here's where I'm at on this game. Oklahoma currently ranked twelfth in the nation. AP poll comes into Morgantown. I'm going to say it's going to be a close game. I don't think WVU is going to be able to pull it out, but I think they'll be able to hold Oklahoma to far less points than they scored against Baylor. I'm going to say it's going to be a tight one. Oklahoma 18, WVU 14. Wow. Wow. Scoot, what do you, you think, You said 18 Scoot? to 14? 18 to 14. You're crazy, man. I think we have a better chance of seeing the schooner on Mountaineer Field crash. <laughs> <laughs> again like then and and that didn't even happen at mountaineer field but i think they bring the schooner to mountaineer field and they crash it that's more likely to happen than that game be as close as you just predicted i predict that i'm gonna go well i'm gonna go oklahoma 45 Ooh. wvu now, let me ask this question. Should I assume that Tyler Sumter is kicking, or should I go with Casey Legg? I don't know. I have no idea. Don't know what to expect. Okay. <laughs> does that mean you're only uh, giving us a difference one if you give goal or two? Listen, two? Like, what does I that thought mean? we'd score against – I mean, I gave us the benefit of the doubt last week. I thought we'd score 20 points against against Iowa State. We didn't muster anything close. Uh, I guess I'll go uh, 45 to 6. Wow. wow. Well, I – I don't see it that poorly, but I, I will say one thing. I watched a good portion um, after our dreadful game. I, I watched later that night, you know, Guido brought up, they played Baylor. Now that score, that final score, I thought it it made it look closer than it was. Baylor really was never in this game, and I think they scored a late touchdown to make the score look a little bit better. One thing that caught my attention, though, is the only reason Baylor was even in it as much as they were is because um, Brewer, their quarterback, he's a pretty pretty mobile guy. He can run. Um, when the Oklahoma defensive line really asserted their dominance, he was at least able to move out of the pocket, run. He would get some first downs with his feet. He would open up passing lanes, you know, because he could move and get out of the pocket. And listen, I not to be too critical here, but I couldn't help but sit there and think, we are not going to be able to do that um, if that we have the same situation. And so I think going into that game, I don't think they're as talented as what we saw with Iowa State, but I think they're still Oklahoma. I think they're still talented. I think they're a new Oklahoma too. Like we talked about that before the when we first thought we were playing Oklahoma. If you watch them early on, they're kind of a different team now with their running game. I think their defense has improved. So I think I'm going to go Oklahoma 31, WVU 13. Man. I was the positive one this week. Continue to be. Continue well, to be. And I oh. think like we said, you know, I'm trying not to feel too bad about Saturday, but I think it's carrying over and so it's bleeding into my Charlie thoughts. So if you're saying Charlie Brewer, because he was a mobile quarterback, did well, 
Jared Deggie is like the Jerry West statue of mobile quarterbacks. Well, and I was trying to be nice, Scoot, statue. but you kind of just shoved it in that direction. I mean, I, I was trying to be nice with my description of my thoughts there, but yeah, I, I don't. I, I mean, I, he just is not, I don't, like, we've talked. Like, he's got to be able to run. He's got to be able to make that. If he can even I mean, run, just looked, like, three yards. Bad. Well, and I just don't think yeah. he's comfortable. You you see some holes sometimes when he gets himself oh, out of the pocket, and he could run, but I just don't think he's comfortable doing he that. He does the, the RPO or whatever, that, that read pass option or the where he fakes the handoff and tucks it under his, you know. Like, there's nobody within the same area code as him because they know he's not running it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and there's really no option. I mean, there's really no – he's handing it off every time. I just don't think he's comfortable doing that. So, you know, watching them survive as much as they did, Baylor, because of the mobility of their quarterback, I was just sitting there thinking that doesn't bode well for us. Yeah, no. I agree. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it, it could be it could be tough sledding. But Guido, we got an interesting question, um, and maybe let's save that then for another conversation. But just to acknowledge, we got a good, interesting conversation about Deggy compared to some other quarterbacks. It sparked an interesting uh, quarterback conversation among us, and maybe kind of who would be on our Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks. And I think maybe we'll save that for another for another segment. That was an interesting conversation. Yeah, we got some good comments this weekend from uh, from Clark. Uh, appreciate that. That. We also got Jeremy always chiming in. We appreciate all of the uh, go dots, all the go dots, all of the um, all of the notes and, and stuff that you guys sent. It just was a it was a packed full show this week. When you have Brent, when you have Brent yeah. on the show, it just pa- when you got basketball, you got football to talk about. It just packs the show. I mean, we get these long shows, you know. So we'll get to your questions. I, I did laugh at um, I did laugh at Kreitz. Uh, he made the comment. He doesn't care what Polka does as long as they beat Winfield. That made me laugh because that's always like fun high school like uh rivalry talk and like i played winfield every year where i went to high school so it just made me laugh I, we we should delve into that sometime as well we, we get it we get well, we'll we'll uh we'll get we'll get our uh we're gonna coalfields and company's buddy yeah. back on and we'll talk some high school sports maybe in the off season but wvu plays this saturday um against oklahoma that game is noon on abc guys nationally televised yet again uh so definitely don't forget to check that out and um, for those of you basketball fans, we've got two games coming up this week. We've got on Wednesday, uh, we play Robert Morse and get out your wallets because that game's going to cost you. It's on ESPN Plus if you want to watch oh, it. Oh, boy. Yep, yep. So we'll get Scoot back all cranked up about the ESPN Plus. I've already got it. I'm in. I'm in. He's in. He's he's already got it. He's he's downloaded it. He's, he's, got, he's got the buttons ready, uh, but his internet won't work when it comes time <laughs> to watch the game. Uh, and then we play Richmond on a Sunday at the Coliseum. Both those games at the Coliseum. Sunday at one o'clock, we play Richmond. That game's televised on ESPN. The newly improved, the Coliseum. newly improved Coliseum. Get to see the new, uh, the new scoreboard and everything. New this week. So two games at the Coliseum. Yeah, not gonna get to sit on them, but you'll get to you'll get to hang out and see. Put it. your cardboard person in there for sixty dollars. Thanks to Brett Solheim for joining us this week. Always fun to have him on. We're gonna have him on a lot this season, so it'll be it'll be fun to. Talk to him about basketball. And don't forget, check us out. Find us on the social medias. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter, at Got Your Ears. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search Got Your Ears on. And look for us on our website. We got a great new shirt out. It's called Pullover Guy. We got Pullover Guy shirts all over the place. So definitely uh, log in, buy one of those. Check it out, GotYourEarsOn.com in the merch section. Christmas gift. Good Christmas gift for people. You order now. You got to order by December 13th in order to get it for Christmas. So... 
Get on there, order your pullover guy shirt now. So thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with another show. Go Mountaineers. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Got Your Ears On. Got Your Ears On.